You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I promise one day we will talk a full 45 minutes about just what happened on the ice. But it is not this day. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 139 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for joining us, as always. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when signing up to get your bonus. Across from me, a guy, as always, that has something nice to say about the Philadelphia Flyers and how many points they're out of a playoff spot. Scott Weinhardt, what's going on, brother? Hey, man, listen, uh, if they would have won last night, they would have been only a couple points out. But right now they are currently seven points out of a playoff spot with 40 or 34 games to go. I, I like I like those odds, man. I really like those odds, which is sad because that's like the equivalent of three and a half, four games out of a playoff spot in baseball or football. Basically. So, yeah. 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 For the yeah. most part. I mean, listen, listen, it's not like. Anything is up for grabs yet. I mean, the Rangers only have 57 points. Carolina's running over Carolina and Jersey are neck and neck. But I mean, even Jersey and, and the Rangers are stripped hard by seven points. So really, it's Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Rangers really looking for that third place in the division. There's going to be a lot of movement there. So if any team slumps out, Florida is basically hanging on by a thread. The Islanders are hanging on by a thread. The Flyers are right on Buffalo's heels. So, I mean, it's. It's tight. The only one that really is out of it, believe it or not, is Columbus with 30 points. But even Montreal's got 43. I mean, they're they've got more of a climb to go. But that's it. it, Look, stranger things have happened, Bill. I'm willing to look at the bright side. It's a great time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. The Phils went to the World Series earlier this year. The Eagles are in the championship game. The Flyers. Well, (laughs) what are you going to do? The Sixers won like 16 in a row or some shit like that. Yeah. And the Flyers, well, we're seeing progress here, Bill. Yeah, and I, I want to just st- – I know we have the Ivan Provorov stuff to get to, all that crap and and what we have to discuss with that because it, it needs to be a discussion that we have on this podcast because every other Flyers podcast and outlet has written about it or spoken about it, so we'll get to it. Um, but look, th- the week I took from this is this is who they are. They're going to lose to the elite teams. They're going to occasionally lose to the really bad teams like Chicago, even though they should beat them. They are good enough. They're coached well enough to beat these teams. Um, and then just the Winnipeg game, Sandstrom lets up one of the worst goals that you can give up as a goalie and your the back breaks. But also, 
What's also frustrating, not frustrating, I guess it's frustrating if you're looking for, if you're in the position like I am, where you're just like, just get as close as you can to getting Bedard as possible. Um, The fight in this team has to be respected. They go down 3-0 and then they come back. I I mean, they're a well-coached team. That's really, uh, just to continue to harp on that, they're a well-coached team that doesn't have the talent. That's really like, this is what this team is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. It, when you're looking at it from a fifty thousand foot flu, uh, foot view, you're you're absolutely right. They don't have the horses to pull the cart. They they they, they don't. They they just don't have it right now. I mean, but re- regardless of losing an upsetting loss to the Chicago four to one, getting blown out by six nothing from the best team in hockey in in Boston, you put up a pretty good win against uh, the, against Detroit, where you really like played a strong defensive game. You played a good game against uh, against Anaheim, and hell, I thought you played a good game against Winnipeg. You just you just didn't end up on the right right end of the stick, and it's that this team has made more progress than people are giving it credit for. There, a team that went lost a ten in a row. You thought they were going to be dead last in the league, and here they're been playing roughly five hundred hockey for the past month or so. Even a little bit more of a win since that win streak. They've been playing pretty well. It's just again. You're, you take a look at the positives first of all. Take a look at the progression of Owen Tippett. Take a look at the progression of Morgan Frost. Take a look at the progression of Noah Cates. How Travis Konechny has just turned into a force. How Kevin Hayes is still basically, you know, somewhat of a point per game player. He's, he's he's not exactly a point per game player, but he's close enough to it. But yeah, take a look at all these things, and and just realize that, you know, this team is coming along and. You, in order for this team to really progress to the next level next season and seasons beyond that, besides the talent issue, they first need to get the core working together. And I really think that this team is starting to form an identity of what we can expect out of them. And let's not look at the wins and losses out of it, but they can play neck and neck. They can play They can play tough, be a tough hockey team to play against with good goaltending. Yeah, you have some games against top-tier talent like Boston where you're getting blown out. Those games are going to happen in 82 game season. Even really good teams get blown out. So it just happens. But just take the positive. This team is moving in the right direction. I think it's a real positive thing to to, to look at. I mean, that's how I'm maybe I have rose colored glasses. I know that I'm a positive person, but Bill, it, it's not it's not terrible. They're they're better than you think. But I, but I don't think they are, man. I, I just think they're the te- the lack of. Like, I don't even know how to describe it as top end talent that that doesn't have the depth because the young guys are um, progressing nicely, as you just said. Owen Tippett, Morgan Frost, the like. But they just don't have a complete NHL roster, I guess. Like, that's how I look at it. Like, it's just one of those teams. This is one of those teams that has um, drafted poorly or just hasn't developed youth talent prospects correctly to a sustainable NHL level and then but it's not bad enough to become like the Canucks or uh, Chicago or Columbus and you're just like you're literally stuck in purgatory I haven't read it but there was a there was a not I guess I don't want to describe it as a bombshell but another uh, great report by Anthony Sanfilippo on Crossing Broad talking about how the ineptitude of the 
he wrote it, he called it a network. Basically, everyone knows somebody. It's it's not what you know, it's who you know, basically, is how the Flyers have really been hiring and managing and and coaching since the really the dawn, since 1967. So, like, it, it's just been this team that's been stuck in purgatory with occasional good stretches over the course of their 57 year, whatever it is at this point, 56 years of, of existence. And it's just like, I, I, like it, something has to change and you have to take drastic steps and they don't want to do it because of ineptitude, stubbornness. I don't know. But like, I I think you just, you have to accept that this is who the flyers are and they never will change unless something at the top changes. And whether that is another Ed Snyder coming in and well, that's really, not going to happen. That, right. That, like, that's, the not, Snyders that's not going to happen. No, no. I, I look, I don't want to get down the rabbit hole of talking about where the franchise is at. And I, I understand what you know, because Anthony did write a great article on that and, and, and credit to him and, and uh, Snow the goalie for really being able to pull those types of things together and get those kind of stories put together to really give you the inside scoop that most people don't have access to. So really give them credit for that. I, I also, if you're talking about the talent on the roster, if you want to focus in on that, again, not to sound like a broken record, because I feel like it comes up a lot in a lot of episodes. Let, let's take from where this team was at to where this team is now without Sean Couturier, without Cam Atkinson, without Ryan Ellis, without having any kind of real center depth and being able to compete at a national hockey level where you're, where you're rounded out. Having players like Sean Couturier, Cam Atkinson, Ryan Ellis, they're, they're players that can make a difference on this team. Now, look how this team is performing without those players. They're keeping their heads above water. It's not the best thing in the world. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to I know, I, I'm not trying to put lipstick on a pig, but you're, 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 you're away from my big point here. You're talking about the purgatory thing. Okay, I get it. I, I understand that. If this team does get bad enough, they're still going to get a good player. Let's not forget Cutter Gauthier is going to be a force to be reckoned with once he gets his feet at the NHL level. We hope. We're he, both very bullish on how Cutter is going to be. We're also bullish on how um Tyson Forrester should be. And then whoever they hopefully draft that is going to be a generational, not a generation, a, a top-end blue-chip talent in this coming draft in 2023, we're hoping. It's all about hope. The only guaranteed thing, and I don't even want to, there's, there is no guaranteed thing. Connor Bedard might not be guaranteed. He's probably going to be really damn good in this league, but he's not a guarantee. Yeah, he's close so, to a guarantee as you can get. Oh, yeah. I know. But again, you can go back to my argument from last week, Connor McDavid. Like, Connor McDavid hasn't even snipped the Stanley Cup final, and he's 26 years old because the team around him is, is, is shit, and it's going to be shit for a long time because you got enough, you, have, you haven't drafted what That's bad hockey. Here, it's just been plain bad luck. Because think about it this way. You get Cutter Goche up, and you can slot him in the second-line center. Okay, guess what? Then you can move Hayes to the wing and keep him at the wing, and you can develop Cutter Goche at center. Well, if Sean Couturier can't come back, then that's another problem you have to face at that time. But if Sean Couturier comes back, it might take him a while to get his wheels back from under him again, but you have a one center or two. Listen, you, you have to understand, this This team isn't inept of talent. They're just right now, you have to have the talent. This is part of the process. You have to develop your talent. You have to let them grow. It just they haven't been patient in the past. When they win, 
So, I mean, they're beating up on bad teams, which we expected them to do because they're not good enough to compete and contend for a cup. They're not bad enough to be a top three pick, top five pick, whatever. Pick your poison. Pick your pick your number, I mean. Um, are they winning in spite of the general management, of the front office? Like, in in terms of, it's, again, good coaching with inferior talent that is pushing them along and just, like, the front office is inept and they can't figure it out because that's that's where i think most including myself are landing like they're run by an inept organization that can't figure out what is up what is down and honestly what's funny is you're hitting the trigger words that i expect to hear from the front office imagine how good we would be if we had sean couturier in the lineup imagine like but it's a back injury we can't guarantee that he's going to be what he was Six years ago. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm not going to argue with you on that. And I'm not going to play the what if game per se because. But you kind of are because you're talking about Sean Couturier. Well, that's my. Okay. Sean Couturier has been the best player on this team for a long time. Even while Claude Giroux was here. Okay. I agree. He's been the best all around player. We don't know because he's basically not been playing for two seasons now. So we don't. Again, we don't know. Because of what? Because Because of of his back injury. Because that scares okay. the shit out of me. Okay, I understand that. So, what if he doesn't come back to his all to his to his form that he was before? Is still having Sean Couturier on this team better than not having Sean Couturier on this team because of what he can do? Because yes, he might not be able to put up the offensive numbers, but maybe you can get him playing defensively, and then that gives you room to move Hayes the wing because Hayes obviously can show he can put up offense without a lot of a lot of people around him. So, you're the whole point. You, you, People have this expectation this team is just going to be good all the time. And, and everything and since the Matt Niskanen incident has no, gone downhill ex- for this team. Our expectations of this team is just going to be mediocre. Like, they're, again, it comes back to what I just said about not being good enough to contend, no, bad well, enough to be and, and, worse. But the, I don't think they're in that spot. I just don't think they're in. They have absolutely not, been in that spot. For, and they still for are. years, they have they're been. They're a yes. hockey okay. team right now. I don't, going forward is what I'm talking about. But a coach like John Tortorella, but the talent they have possibly coming up to the pipeline, which basically another potential starting goaltender in Sam Erson, who's 5-0 and in his five starts in the NHL, which is yeah, really we'll impressive. We'll get into yep. that. Okay, they have Cam York has been coming along pretty well. They have, still have Igor Zamula, who they kind of who they John Tortorella is still really high on. Look, they're taking the time. What the team didn't do in the past is develop their talent. Back in the early two and late two thousands, they had a really bad habit of trading away their young talent and high picks to get to win. Now that 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 cost them years. Okay, they had enough and they had a scruffy. And at a scrappy bunch, it was devoid of talent, of a full NHL talent roster, a little overpaid contracts when you had the core of, uh, of Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, Wayne Simmons, Braden Shen, Mark Streit. Yes, I just mentioned Mark Streit, Steve Mason <laughs> in goal. You, when you had that, when you still had Braden Coburn and Kimo Timonen near the back end of, uh, on the back nine, you still had that general core there. The problem was, is the, the purgatory is that the, up until that point, Hextall had not drafted well enough. Now, you have younger talent that from the Hextall years never panned out. Jay O'Brien is a clear example of that. Probably, but Jay O'Brien should be the epitome of the Hextall era in Philadelphia. Just, wow, a lot of promise uh, didn't work out, but we spent a lot of capital on it. Hextall came in and did the right things by moving out bad contracts. Guys like Vinny LeCavier. You trade Braden Shen. You get Morgan Frost as basically your draft pick. Yeah, you pick up Lurie Laterra in the process. But going on now, the past couple of years, this team has been better positioned 
as far as acquiring young talent. You can acquire all the young talent you want, but if you can't develop them, then you're screwed. This team now is focused on developing that young talent, which has been the exciting thing to watch this year, is that a coach like Tortorella is coming in here and setting the expectation. When a guy like Scott Hartnell says, I wish I had him at 19 or 20 when he went to Columbus, that's a big deal because that's showing that he's going to set him right. There's a lot of these players that he gets that, listen, if the players don't balk and they believe in it, which it seems like they're buying into it, yes, they don't have the talent, but they're buying into it. They're outworking teams. They make one mistake, it ends up in their net almost every single time, which is crazy to me. It's the truth. I've never seen the team makes one mistake and it's in their net, but at the same time, they've always battled their way back. Look at the way they were down 3 nothing to the Jets last night. They came back and tied that frigging game. Like, this is a team that's forming an identity, is a team that is starting to build. They're starting to get better. They're starting to build camaraderie. They're starting to build a team with a core that they can add pieces around. Because if they find out that Sean Couturier can't come back, then you do need to figure out a plan B. And I think that's really, they're at a critical point right now where this season will be the precursor of what they feel like they're going to be to propel this team forward. Because look, if they stay 500 and they're 500 at the end of this year, as devoid of town as you say they are, that if I'm the front office, I'm looking at it and saying, damn, we just need to add some pieces around here. This team's going to be really good. Bingo. If they're 500, they're at 490 conversion rate of point percentage right now. If they're at that rate in a month right before the trade deadline, so that's February 23rd, uh, the trade deadline is March 3rd, you have to be sellers. You can't pussyfoot around. Agreed. 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 I'm not saying for the season. My point is, is that it's going to set up the game plan of the roadmap and saying, okay, instead of having to rebuild, you're retooling and saying, okay, what pieces do we need to add to this point to get this team to the next level? What are those pieces? Do we have them internally? Are they external? Do we have to trade somebody? Those are the types of decisions instead of saying now, like, oh boy, like we got a long way to develop these players. You're on the verge of being like, hey, look, we've built something here. We've got a good stepping stone. What's the next step in this in this build here? Next build, what player do we need to acquire? Who do we need to trade here who's going to be part of this process? Like Tortorella has been saying all season long, who's going to be part of the long-term solution? And then if we need to trade away a player, who are we going to trade away in order to get pieces back so we can continue to get better? That's the way the front office should be looking at it. And if they're not, that's the way you should be seeing it. Like, you should be seeing it this way. You have to be seeing it as a, this is just a step for a multi-year process of this team starting to get back to the top of where they were, where the fans want them to be. And they're well on their way there. And if you look at the, what the little things they're doing, they're on their way there. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup this season. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup next season. But hell, I'll be hell-bent to say, even though I said this team will make the playoffs this year, if they don't, you're goddamn right they're going to get to the playoffs next year. And I'll probably win a damn round, but it depends Oof. on what, because you built, you're starting to build something here. It depends on what you pieces are, you need to add. Yeah. I mean, one, one thing that they're going to have to make a decision on uh, trading wise is what the hell do they do at goalie? A really interesting question has come up with the goalie uh, position here for the Flyers. Cause obviously Carter Hart is the guy primary, uh, but he's been pushed by Urson. And now because of the, contractual obligations that they have with Felix Sandstrom, he's now back up with the roster because they don't want to put this that player, uh, Sandstrom, through waivers to be risked to be picked up by another NHL team, which I think 
I don't know. I think that I think they could take the risk, but I understand why they don't. Like that's fine. Um, but I mean, what, what are your? You're the goalie in the on this podcast. What what is what am I missing with Sandstrom? Or what am I what am I right about Sandstrom in terms of like he's not that good, and you need to be riding Urson and to back up Carter. So let's 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 open up this can of worms of the goaltending situation in Philadelphia. Something that I don't think anybody's familiar with. I don't think yeah, when it comes to Philadelphia, yeah. nobody's familiar with any type of goaltending controversy in this city. And it's a blessing in disguise that we just have had solid goaltending here for a very long time. Um, <laughs> you give a I, 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 I couldn't so keep a straight face with it. Look. Where they're at right now, as far as goaltending, is that Carter Hart is your undisputed number one. So right now we're we're talking over the backup position, which is which is really in, in all sense is not a bad thing. The reason why we're talking about Sandstrom and Sam Erson is obviously because of the Ivan Fedotov situation, and and they didn't go out and they didn't get anything to add to their pipeline for you know the minor league system. So they have like right now with with when Sandstrom was and before Sandstrom when he was out. They had just Troy Grosnick and and Pat Nagel down there. And it's funny enough, I had actually had a set of Pat Nagel's pads before. So uh, believe it or not, I, I got them, flipped them. But um, it, with this, what the whole idea was, was that you get Urson up here, Carter's hurt, get him a cup of coffee because they had a lot of belief in him that he would be the backup before he got hurt before the end of training camp. Okay, now we've set all that up. I'm a fed of thing doesn't work out. You got to bring Greg Sandstrom at this point. Sandstrom is your guy because Urson's either banged up. So you want to get the Urson some minutes because he's coming back from an injury from last season. Gets hurt up in the preseason. You go with Sandstrom. When I watched Felix Sandstrom last season, I saw potential there for him to play. But the question was at the same time I had is how many games can this guy win at the NHL level? I didn't see anything crazy. A couple softies here and there, but his anticipation was good. I thought he read the play well. Everything that I've seen out of him, especially on the penalty kill, I thought was pretty solid. Then you start watching him this season. And even before Tortorella even said it, I swear, because Tortorella will say is going to say the same thing when I when I quote him in a second. Is that he need that he Sandstrom needs to make a save. He needs to make that one every game or two. Every game, you're going to have a goalie that you're going to have to come up with one big save that you shouldn't have stopped. Carter Hart had it at the end of the Detroit game where that puck was on the goal line and he kicked it out with like three seconds left. David Riddich had it the same lay the other night again from the Jets. David Riddich's not even that good, in my opinion, but he had made a solid save off of Tony D'Angelo when that scrum in front. That was that didn't hit to connect me. That didn't hit anybody. That hit Riddich. That was a great goaltending play. I have not seen Felix Sandstrom being able to come up to make that one save. He just not he just for whatever reason. I don't think it's anything between you know, but in his head, I just don't know if he has the competency, so to speak. And that's not the a skill. Play. He he's yeah, not good yeah, enough. Yeah, not good enough. But that's my point is, is that he does not have the ability. Or yeah, he doesn't have the clutch bone. He doesn't. Yeah, have, thank he, you. Yeah, he, he doesn't he, he have does. whatever that clutch gene is where you can come yeah. up to. He just doesn't have it because, for instance, okay, let's 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 oh, we have it on video here. We'll go back and look at the play. Look at the the goal from the Jets the other night the other night in in Philadelphia when they played. So the game's tied three three almost halfway through the third. You're in it. You just come down from back three zero. I'm not going to fault Sandstrom action any of the first three because they really were out of kind of his control. There were some breakdowns, a two on one. Um, you know, a breakaway that he did stop. 
But this is what kills him. This is what's going to kill his NHL career. So let's look at the play here. So the puck goes into the zone. Here come the Jets. And he just drives in it. And it's in the net. And you're like, how the hell did this happen? I'm watching this and I'm like, how did that get past him? What I figured it went off a skate, went off something along the lines. This is without a doubt. I'm going <laughs> to say without just a doubt. real quick. I'll, I'll, I'll the video that you're playing the the feeling that that they just showed of uh, of 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 Tortorella after that goal gave it up as they panned to him was the feeling that everyone had uh, watching that game. Watching that goal. And I agree because you're watching this. Okay, let's start off with the obvious. There are five players versus one Winnipeg Jet here. Okay, I don't know what kind of defense is happening here right now, but this is just god awful. I understand right, the let, guys. Let, are- let's see. So it's Lawton, it's D'Angelo, Provorov, and Tippett, Tippett okay. and then Sandstrom's in goal. Okay, now. All in a line, basically. Almost yeah, they're a perfect, all in a line straight perpendicular across. Perpendicular line. Now, this guy has got the puck on his forehand. Sandstrom is, if I play it here a little bit, you'll be able to see it on the video. He's in what's called a technique called the VH. It's called the VH because one leg, his left leg, near the post, is basically vertical with the post. And then the VH is to go to because the other leg is horizontal. That's why they call it VH, vertical, horizontal. So he's in the VH. Uh, the only problem with this, though, is that nobody plays the goddamn VH anymore. Everybody plays the RVH, the reverse vertical, which means that his best front leg near the post should be down, and the other one should be back up a little further so he can push off to the other side. So Sandstrom already on this play is in terrible position. I'm looking at this. He's not in good position. His stick is covering. He he's, he has a stick up instead of playing paddle down. He has the shortest part of his blade on the icer here. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. This puck rolls off the damn guy's stick, and he swipes and misses, and it goes five-hole on him. Like, that is a god-awful goal to give up. Now, I'm not trying to sit here and put a blame just on Sanchez because with four flyers around, they should have stopped it. But this is pathetic. This is not good goaltending at the National Hockey League level. Even I, as a beer league goalie, no, you put your friggin' stick down to cover your five hole if you're that flexible and paddle down. Because look, you see the puckers roll off a stick. He tries to swipe it away instead of putting his paddle down and covering up. A soft goal at a very bad time that cost you the game. That is why Felix Sandstrom needs to go back down to the AHL. But I understand the other side of why they're not doing it because Urson needs to play and isn't going to develop sitting behind Carter Hart which is why they sent him down in the first place. Plus, you don't have enough goaltending depth in this organization to be able to have the luxury of losing a guy like Felix Sandstrom on waivers. So if you put him on waivers, someone will claim him, especially at his cheap salary, as depth, and then you're screwed because guess what? If either Hart or Urson go down, you're stuck with Troy Grosnick, who hasn't played an NHL game in God knows how long, and Pat Nagel, who's never even sniffed the NHL, if I'm not mistaken. So... That's the problem. And plus, Pat and Angle, they're, all, they're all both over 30 years old. So it's not like you're developmental thing, anything here. But the point is, is that that's what kills Sandstrom, is that Sandstrom gives up soft goals like that. You, you At the NHL level, you cannot give up a goal like that. When there's four guys around you, that is an easy textbook save. I understand sometimes goals like that happen, but can in that situation, it happens way too often with him. Tortorella has even said the same, that he's got to come up with a save. Urson has, 
but you got to get her some minutes because guess what? You're going to run Carter Hart here from here on out. Erson is you no good sitting on the bench. So guess what? You're not going to see Erson probably back up here unless one of those two get hurt or until next season. So it's not ideal, but it's a situation they have dealt with because of poor management in the company. Uh, in the company, sorry. Yes. But poor management. It's poor management. It's poor when management. When it comes to the goaltending, they have not planned long term with the goaltending enough. It, it's just, it's another, it's another microcosm. Oh, it, it, it's enough. It, like all of these microcosms of how, of how the organization is run adds up to just one incompetent organization, whether it's the goaltending, whether it's the trades, the potential trades, the salary dumps, the salary contracts, the offers, the offer sheets. It's all chaotic. It's why this team will has not moved on from the mediocrity and never will. Like it, it's just embarrassing because Urson honestly should be backing up Carter because he can get enough games. If he is the number one or the number two in this case, if he is the top backup, Urson will get a solid amount of games to continue to develop. I understand your point, but knowing that Urson is was he five and zero? Oh, I think yeah. six and zero. Oh, like five and zero. Oh. That that's nothing to sniff at. Like with a shutout, just, with a shutout, yeah, Carter with, hasn't had one this season. Yeah, you can't just sniff at it and go eh. Just send him down to 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 Lehigh and hope that uh, he continues to play well. He, you know, he's going to play well. He's not. He's not going to go. He's not going to go undefeated the rest of the way in the AHL. But he's still going to have a a, a deep. Well, I don't know because we still don't really know what this. The the, the problem is you you can't hear here, and this is why it's poor management in a sense if they haven't had enough goaltending develop in, in the in the AHL level. They've had to rely on veterans like Troy Grosnick. Uh, you know, you had. Uh, Dustin Tukarski a few years ago. And generally that's what happens. You kind of bring in like an older guy who's got a little bit of experience, more of a career HL or Mike McKenna is like one of those guys who played here a couple games, played pretty much on every team. But um, the, the, the problem that I see with this team is that you, you do have a diamond in a rough here with Sam Merson. Um, you know, I'm not in the analytics side things, but they're saying his goals against expected is like four or whatever. It means to me, he makes like four more saves a game than he should which I think is a great thing because in tight, the way he plays, I really like the way he plays. I really like the way he positions himself. He had really good stats over when he played in Sweden. Um, he's just developed into a very solid goaltender in tight. I, I'm just, I'm surprised when people beat him in tight because it just, he's, 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 I think he's really good. Comes to beg the question, which will be for another episode and I'm more of an off season thing. If you really got confident in the guy, do you, do you keep him? Do you deal him? That sort of thing. Right now, they can't afford to risk that because Carter Hart's already been banged up. Urson's been banged up. Your physicians are banged up. You don't have enough on your pipeline. I think one of the key things they'd have to do this offseason is figure out exactly what team, well, you know, they what which goaltenders they want to bring up. That way they have a plethora because in case you ever have to run through seven goaltenders like you did in 1819. You have you have enough to get through the system. Hopefully, it never gets to that. But the, the point is, is that at one point you were running your third string goaltender in Sam Mercer, which is a problem in itself. Which means you need more a little bit behind it because if something happens, you, you got to get through it. Now, with all that being said, me, I would have preferred to keep Sam Mercer up to to kind of give the little to kind of push Carter a little bit. I think that that's really important for Carter at this point in his career. But at the same time. You're paying Carter a really good amount of money. Carter's got to learn to kind of fight through some of these things and be able to play, you know, like a back-to-back and maybe three and four nights. He, you know, because in the playoffs, and you get tested, that's going to happen. But all, you know, so I mean, with Sandstrom, it's not his fault that he didn't play for over a month. 
but it doesn't help your cause when you, you know, give up three in the first period and you have a shutout going all the way and then you give them one of the softest goals I've ever seen. That's that's what kills you. That's what ends careers. It's not the fact that he was down three nothing. It's because he couldn't make the extra save. He couldn't keep his team in the game. But unfortunately, this means they're going to run with Carter Hart more often. Sam Erson will get a lot more minutes down there in, in the in the A. And I think that's really important for his development, his career, because if it comes down to it and you do like Erson after next season or something along those lines and something comes up where a big name pops up and you got to trade Carter Hart to do it. That's going to be a tough question mark. So, I mean, that's something that the Flyers have a little room to play with now. So just throw it out there. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a good it's a good problem to have in a weird way. Trying to find a way to add depth, like it, it's it's one of the few things that they have good. So I fully expect them to screw it up somehow. Like I, I just <laughs> fully expect them to screw it up. They have Trading three Carter capable Hart for a NHL goaltenders. So let's put it that way. Yeah. They Felix Sanderson can play at the NHL level. He just he's not a starter. He's he's on the verge of a backup, you know, AHL starter. That's where he's really at. Urson's Urson. He's a guy who I can see who can really push for a starting role. Now that I think, like, really, the 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 entire country that's at fault for this is Russia. Thanks, Russia. Yeah, because thanks. Fedotov was the guy. Yeah, and then and yeah. you found you found Urson, and then you would have had a, a a streamline because one guy not getting knocked off unexpectedly caused you to have to pivot on what your goaltending situation was for the 2022-2023 season. Now, and now, that's what happened. Now, do you see what happened with Matt Niskanen? Matt yeah. Niskanen, Ryan Ellis, you know, Sean yeah. Couturier, Cam Atkinson. Just throwing it all out there, man. It all has it all has ripple effects. It all has ripple effects. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the non-hockey stuff, obviously we'll talk about Carter Hart and all – or excuse me, uh, Ivan Provorov and all that uh, – fiasco this episode as always is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook there are only four NFL teams left and one of them happens to be right here in Philadelphia two conference championship games next Sunday and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL counting down to Super Bowl 57 new customers don't wait you can bet five just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. That's right, instantly. Not a new customer. You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg. You add up to 100% San Francisco versus Philadelphia I don't care what it is. That line is absurdly favoring Philadelphia. Last I looked, it went from one and a half to, I think, two and a half, maybe even three on some sports books. If you are waiting, don't wait any longer. Take Philadelphia with the points. Uh, take the under. The under has been the road uh, for that I would have felt uh, good about the last couple of games for some reason. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can see the show notes for all of those details below. Go Eagles. Scott, it wouldn't be the Philadelphia Flyers if there wasn't a non- controversy or excuse me a non on the ice controversy involving the players Ivan Provorov refused to wear the warm-up pride night jersey that in, that included 
the rainbow coloring of the back name templates and the numbers and all that fun stuff. Um, I'm going to go out and just say it. I think Ivan Proov is a really, really, really shitty teammate. I think that's what this boils down to for me. Like, he can do whatever he wants. He has the right to say, no, I don't want to be a part of this. Like, whatever. Fine. You want to be a dick? Go for it. My problem is, as we've seen more stories come out about this, this initiative, not Pride Night. Pride Night as a whole is an organization thing. The jerseys was a player and team decision that they wanted to do as a show of support and cause. Scott Lawton has a personal connection to the LGBTQ plus community. So that is his initiative. It's a charity event. Look, Ivan Provorov, I think he moved here from Russia when he was 12 years old. So he's basically American at that point. He's been here forever. I think it's just really, really low of him to do what he did. I think he's a real, real shitty teammate uh, at the end of the day. He can do what he wants. But this is like this is why people think the locker room is divided in the Flyers because of situations like this that crop up. And it's Ivan Provorov who's already been in the news for negative stuff over the last two and a half seasons, three seasons at this point. So it, it's, he's a good player, but like it, he's just a shit teammate. Listen, I, I'm all for player expressing their beliefs, but when you cite a religion that another player uh, in the same division actually supports that same religion uh, and, and will wear it, no problem with it, um, just shows that frankly, you're a bigot. That's exactly what you are. So there's no other way to describe you. You're just you're just a bigot. Sorry. Now, if you want to publicly, you know, claim that you're a bigot um, by putting up a stunt like that, whatever. You have the right decision. You know, that's your decision to make. Whatever. My problem is is more or less is that at the end of the day, um, just pardon my French here. Shut the fuck up and just put it on the jersey. All right. Shut up and put it on the jersey because here's why. There's some kid out there who, you know, is maybe trying to figure out, you know, as far as his feelings and how to explain something to somebody and not sure and, and working through it. And when and part of this is on the media, too, for for really, really honing in on this, which points out the problem of homophobia we still have in our culture and our, in our, as a country. My my big issue with this is that. There's some kid out there who's afraid to tell his parents or his or her parents how they're feeling about something. And Ivan Provorov is someone they look to as one of their favorite players. And Provorov comes out and says, eh, I'm not supporting it. It's, it's against my religion. Okay, fair enough. But how do you think that, that kid feels? How do you think that person feels who you know, wants to tell somebody, you know, that they, um, you know, that they're, you know, they're they're homosexual or, or whatever. And it's their decision, but it's a very hard thing for people for still to, to do. Um, my 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 issue is with that when you're a role model like this and you're an entertainment. Sorry, hockey's entertainment. It, 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 it's entertainment. At the end of the day, the game is entertainment. You're playing a friggin child's game and getting paid a lot of money to do it. At the end of the day, all you're doing is being asked to put on a rainbow jersey and warm up. Okay, we're not yeah, asking 15 you, minutes. Yeah, we're not asking you to go parade down Broad Street waving pride colored flags and, you know, going up to gay pizza and all that stuff, uh, which is a real place, by the way. I'm not making that up. <laughs> it's a real place. 
We're not asking you to go do that and, and put on a, a, a megaphone and go protest. We're not asking you to do that. What you're asking you to do is that to show solidarity. Now, you know what? You know, the team, not you, Ivan Provorov, the team supports this movement. I think it's a big thing for people to even if they if inside there's not something they fully support. OK, yes, it's your decision. That's fine. Um, but at the same time, it's wrong of you to come out and probably see, see it's against my religion. I can't do it. You can't put on a rainbow jersey. You can't support a cause for a little while. Like, come on, man. Like to me, you're it, it's it's immature. And it, it, it it's bigotry. That's exactly what it is. Like you're just you're just going out and going out of your way to point out to people that you're a bigot that don't care about other people's feelings, because sometimes there are things at play that are more important. Like, for instance, I'm not going to lie. We're a pride man all the time. I mean, you know, I just honestly I like the colors and I support it, but I have to I, I wear them. And it's the truth because, you know, I've. Everybody should be supported when it comes to that. That's a really, really big thing in our society nowadays. It's it's something that's really, really big. And it's a cause that, you know, that, sorry, as, as an entertainer and someone who makes a lot of money and, it's, and if you're supposed to be supporting the organization, this is what pisses me off moreover than anything else. Ed Snyder was always about... The name on the front, the logo on the front is more important than the name on the back. And a lot of coaches will tell you that. The NHL has in their CBA, they're allowed to support, the players are allowed to support causes or not support causes as they see fit, as they see fit. And it's Ivan Provov's decision, honestly. And I'm, it's not about me taking a side on this. It's it's more or less of stating the fact that in that point, you should have thought about what was on the front of the jersey and not what was on the jersey. Because that's a key point and understanding of who you are in society and what you mean to a lot of people. And just by you not wearing that jersey in warm-ups took away all the attention of the fact that the Flyers were performing Pride Night and went to the attention of Provorov being against it. Which yeah, is and that's what not exact not not that shouldn't have been the case at all, and it's it's pathetic. Yeah, that's why guys like honestly, um, I, I was reading COC's article about how um, the business operation side of the team had no idea this was happening until it happened, which was is a total breakdown in communications. Hockey side, Tortorella, Fletcher, those guys were aware, and somehow this fell through the cracks. I don't know what it was, but just the it, it Scott Lawton like give him the C, man. The his his answer to being asked about it was so professional because it didn't demean Provorov in any way. Cause I don't, I don't want to demean Correct. Provorov. Correct. I really don't because look, is he an idiot? Yeah. I think he's an idiot, but where's again, actions, his actions portray yeah. him as a bigot. Yes, they do. They, they like, really do. I, I got pissed off at Tortorella for a little bit. Um, un, until I re- remembered what, how he changed his stance on the, um, benching a player for not attend. I, can't remember the exact notion of why you would bench them, but it was during the the Kaepernick stuff, the Anthem stuff, whatever. We're, I'm not going to get into that. But Tortorella said he would bench a player that would do something similar. Then he backtracked and said, whatever, I'll let you do what you want. I don't agree with it. Fine. That's what pissed me off originally because he still played Provorov for doing, quote unquote, a silent protest, protesting against this event. Uh, whether you agree with that statement or not, that's what happened here because he didn't want to take part. 
um, in this charity event for the LGBT community, which was, again, a player's decision to have these jerseys made. That That's the underlying issue here. It was a team-correlated event. It seemed like between Scott Lawton and JVR were the headliners that organized this thing. And now it seems like JVR didn't even know that this was happening until it happened, which is mind-boggling how you have tw- 22 out of 23 players un- uh, only aware of it. It should be everyone. Uh, it, it's just, it's such a, again, microcosm of how this organization is run. Because when one player goes, quote-unquote, rogue, Everything falls apart. The enti- We're not talking about how much money they raised for LGBT and the, the 50, I think they said the organizations and the 50 people that they met uh, before and after the event for Scott Lawton and, and JVR. We're talking about one guy that's not even going to probably be here, if I were to guess, in two years. Probably less. Because Ivan Provov is, I mean, he might have just shot his his damn trade value, for all we know. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, at the end of the day, if you were putting me to with truth serum, I don't think it hurt us because uh, of the, the conservative nature of the NHL, which is fine. Like, if you want to be conservative, that's fine. I'm not going to disparage them, but that's how it goes. So, uh, I, again, to your point about what Evgeny with Evgeny Malkin, who is also a Russian Orthodox, wore the jersey, man. Just like we all do things we don't want to do in our daily lives of, 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 of work. And for 15 minutes, you couldn't put on a a, a jersey, whether you agreed with it or not. Like, yeah, it, it's just yeah, that, it's that, really that's that's it's immature. It's just it's a, it's not right. But it's that's just, what he is. That's what Ivan Provorov is. We've learned in the last two and a half, three years that Ivan Provorov, Provorov is an immature person. He doesn't want he is a regimented person. That's fine. But if something knocks you off, which is funny because he's regimented, probably wants to be in warmups. So. Like that, that's a thing that we can, you can discuss, but it's just, it's just so short-sighted on Ivan Provo's part. Use the cheap, uh, I think it's a really cheap excuse making with, with the um, Russian excuse. It's just, it, it's, I don't know. I, I know a lot of NHL fans. I, I, I saw like Ivan Provo's, Provo, his, his jersey was sold out uh, earlier, late last week. Like, fine. I get what people are trying to get under the free speech. Like I get right, it. right, right, and that's but I, but I agree the with problem that. is, yeah, I, I, I like it's just you're a shitty teammate. Like at the end of the day, you're a shitty teammate for what you did. Like that's really how I how I here, here's because- another here's another great thing that correlates with it. When the Boston Bruins won the cup in 2011, Tim Thomas, oh, I know where you go. yeah, Tim yeah. Thomas refused to go to the White House to meet the president. Because he did, he he was he didn't he wasn't he didn't agree with him. Yeah, he yep. didn't agree with the president. He 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 wasn't. He's a Republican, and he's not. He doesn't. He didn't want to go to do that. That's the problem I have with some of the things. I have no problem with someone expressing their free speech, like Ivan Provorov did. Do I do I agree with it? Do I agree with the decision that he made? No, I'm not agreeing with the decision. Do I support the fact that he supported he he uh, what's it called that he expressed his fee his 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 freedom of speech? Absolutely. He's in America. He has a right to do that within reason. My issue becomes this is that when you have a guy like Tim Thomas who comes out and says, hey, you know, I'm not going to go meet the president and support my team and be with my team because I don't like the guy we're going to meet. Well, now you're just being a dick. Like you said, you really are like, sorry, going to meet the president of the United States, whether you support him or not, is an honor. It's an honor. It's an absolute honor that the leader of the United States of America 
wants to shake your hand and say, hey, nice job this year. And you're like, I don't support them, so I'm not going to go do it. That That's the problem is that we have a lot of people immature in this country who make these actions like this and make these decisions. Now, again, Ivan Provorov had a right to make the decision. Tim Thomas had a right to make the decision. Just because you have a right to make the decision doesn't make the decision right. So and, that, and that's that's the thing is that some people stick up for more of, you know, rather than do the right thing, they're going to do what they instead of doing the right thing in that situation for Tim Thomas would be to go with your teammates, suck it up. Yeah, you can say, I don't support the guy, but, you know, I'm, I'm meeting the guy. You see the bigger picture with it. Being small minded and saying, I don't support it. I'm not going to talk about it. And, you know, whatever. People can kiss my ass. That's just being arrogant. It's just being arrogant. It's not thinking of others. And, you know, for people who are of that small minded mindset, I question them because I question why you would make decisions that you're not doing the right thing. The right thing to do in the situation, Ivan, would have been to just put on the jersey and put your feelings aside for 15 minutes and understand that there was a bigger reason behind this. You don't have to support the whole cause. We understand that you don't now. But the problem was is that you took away for the cause they were trying to support and put all the attention on the fact that you didn't support it. And that's therein become the problem because now you're the center of attention because you had to go and be the person where I'm not going to wear the jersey because I don't believe in it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, well, you know what? Everybody's looking at you and saying, well, why not? You won't address it because it's against my religion. Okay, well, how come he did it? I'm not going to talk about it anymore. It's it's a political cop-out answer. It's wrong. The decision was wrong. He had a right to do it. He had a right to wear it or not. That's great. He should have sucked it up, and he should have wore it for 15 minutes to support the bigger cause and support his team. Some people are just aren't sour, just selfish like that. Some people just don't do the right thing. Those are the people that are more the detriment of society, even though people are saying that, oh, yeah, we're going to buy the jersey and sell it out now because he stepped up and, and believed in his speech. Yeah, but doesn't make the decision right. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, I strongly believe that. It, it, is, it is a classic. People think it's a black and white issue, but it's, it's a lot of gray. A lot of gray. There's a lot of gray, but it comes with a lot of criticism. Yeah. At, towards that player. So if, that's what if, I would probably If you're going to so, do that, prepare to take criticism because you know what? Everybody has a right to criticize you who doesn't support it. There's people out there support a decision. That's fine. It's not really shining a great light on you. Sorry, dude. And when people support him like that, sorry. It, it's just the truth. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, 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 I had this in the notes. I know we had it in the notes for the final, uh, the, the Vox media stuff. I, I mean, look. I don't agree with everything they wrote and what they did. I think they treated they they were small, somewhat small minded in their own right on how the organization was played with broadsheet hockey. Um, but it always sucks when people lose their jobs in this media because um, it just sucks. I, I think people just look at the low hanging fruit on the problems of media and content because despite the content that I might not have agreed with coming from that 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 media site on broadsheet hockey. Um, they drove a lot of traffic. They did a lot of good. They got they they built a corner of the audience of the Flyers audience and got a lot of t- a lot of top notch uh, traffic. They were one of the top sites. Um, and the laziness of the people at the top in every corner of this uh, medium to just cut the low hanging fruit instead of looking at what the real problem is, um, and that's not investing in that kind of content um, to drive revenue that that's a problem for me. So I, I, I've, I've experienced it myself. Um, a lot of these top notch executives don't know how the media in 2023 works. Um, really that's what it comes down to. They don't know how people are consuming media anymore. And they just, instead of 
finding the cuts that should happen, they they make the wrong cuts almost every single time. Um, I come from radio. It's where you see it in radio, too. People just think uh, live and local sucks, and they just go syndicated to make it lazy, and then they wonder two years later why the ratings are in the goddamn toilet, and that that this is what happens. So uh, I wish the best for the staff drivers of the world and, and all that, that that entire crew. I know COC is attached with the Broad Street Hockey Podcast, but um, he obviously writes for the athletics, so um, sucks. Like, really, really sucks. Vox Media, like, just another example. Yep. Really, really all it comes down to. Yeah. It sucks. Like I said, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I, I I think it's terrible, the fact that these people – and here's the cool thing. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I, I was never really a big listener, a big fan of BSH. I just I just wasn't – it just wasn't my cup of tea. Not, not knocking them, just wasn't my cup of tea. But I know, but a lot of people – a lot of people do like it. And they were fans of them, and they, you know, the group were they were all fans and friends together. Steph Driver, Bill Matz, Charlie O'Connor, all them, they're all, all friends together. And, you know, it really sucks to see this happen to them because, you know, you and I, we've been in the radio business. We see how it works out, and it's not the easiest thing in the world when media companies just cut the cord and that's it. And, you know, they're just, it's, they, they don't view it as, they don't view them as people and all the work they put in. Um, you know, it, it's sad. It really is sad. You know, and I really hope that they find a way to to keep their fan base and, and, and find a way to pick themselves back up and, and get back out there. But, um, you know, it's just it's a shame to do that. And I really wish them the best of luck. And, you know, it's one of the, you know, not to turn a negative into a positive. It's one of the benefits that we you and I have bills that we kind of do this independently. We don't have to worry about a third marketer and all that stuff. That's the benefit of it. So I'm hoping that, you know, it's the same for them. They can find a way to get back on their feet and do it on their own and maintain their fan base and, uh, and go from there. And, you know, best of luck to, uh, to all those at Broad Street Hockey. Seriously, best of luck yeah. to all of you. Make sure you support local media. That's really what I'll come down to. And like you said, independent, go independent, make your own avenues and see what you can do. Uh, that is going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Aaron Jabakchuk, episode 139, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook and the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you so much, as always. Jabakchuk at gmail.com if you have a comment. If you want to hate on us, let's hear it. I want to hear it. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Jabakchuk Podcast on Instagram, at Obakchuk on Twitter. Until next week, we'll talk to you. Seven points out of a playoff spot, Bill. I absolutely hate you. I know. I know. <laughs>